I want to talk to you about Peter again, of course. And I want you to turn, if, you've, uh, if you're visiting with us, thanks. Thank you for coming. It's very kind of you to come and give us an hour of your day to, to just kind of, uh, whatever it is that we will do, you're kind of at our, our, uh, our mercy. We, we, we kind of are leading this through, and we hope that it will be something that is pleasing to you. What we want to do, if, you, if, you'll, if you're here and you're wondering, we just want to present to you Jesus Christ. We want you to see him clearly. We, we believe that if you see our Lord, if you see our Savior in the way that he is presented, the way he is supposed to be seen within Scripture, you will fall in love with him. And you will desire to get to know him more. And that, that is our desire for all of us. For, for those that attend here, myself, we all want to get to know the Lord more. We want to understand Him better. We want to move when He asks us to move and do when He asks us to do. And we want to be a people that serve Him with all of our hearts. Peter, in this place in Scripture, in First Peter, we're in the second chapter. But F- Peter started this all by, by telling the people that they were just aliens who had been scattered. See, what had happened, just to fill you in a little bit, Rome was under siege. Nero has almost burned the place down, and he blamed Christians for it. And the people, the community, believed him, and they started to persecute Christians. They started to set Christians on fire. They started to do things to Christians that was tremendous persecution. And so the Christians had to flee Rome. And so he says in the first verse, he introduces himself, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And he is telling them that they are aliens. And that's, but, but this is not their home, he is saying. This is, this is not the place that you will settle down. Your home is in heaven. In fact, I'm going to say in a moment, Paul makes that statement. Our citizenship, Paul says in, in Philippians 3.20, is, is in heaven. And so Peter is asking us in the midst of these trials to serve the Lord nonetheless. And he's asking us to trust in Him nonetheless. He is saying that even though you and I might be going through difficult times, the Lord God has not taken His hands away from us. He still loves us. He still desires the best for us. We will all go through some sort of difficulty. With that in mind... Peter, in the second chapter now, and in verse 9, as we saw last week, or the week before, he asks us to proclaim the excellencies of Him, our Lord, who has called us out of darkness into light. Well, Peter knew by asking them to do that, they would, they would receive more persecution. The, the non-believers didn't want the believers telling them about their Savior. They didn't want to, them to feel that they didn't have what they had. And so Peter understood that they'd go through more persecution. And so Peter, in this place in Scripture, is telling us how to behave. And our purpose for living is to be submissive and obedient to those in authority over us. The reason I'm going over this again this week was because of the very, very wonderful questions I received after the messages last week, almost in every service. And the questions was, if we're in this world, and how do we maintain obedient to those that that are, are, are just disrupting this world in which we live? 
And Peter has an answer for you and me in that. The authority that we are to follow is the authority that God has placed over us. And we are going to learn today in Romans 13 it says that there is no authority that is over you or me that has not been ordained by God. Even though it might look like it's the, the worst of, of a leader. But God has brought them to that place. And so he asks you and me to be submissive to them. But the question I got, I want to answer today to you. And I will in a moment. I want you to read with me, please, in Second, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. It says in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 13, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Verse 15, For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Therefore, he says in verse 16, Act as free men, and then do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. I want to close with this verse, verse 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Father, we want to ask that you would lead us. This is a, a nice place, Father, in Scripture. It's, it's one of those places that I... I find that it's very interesting to study, but it's not like one of those things that just jumps all over you. But it has so much to say. And so we need to understand all places in Scripture. So, Father, we will study this just as diligently as we any other place. We ask only, Lord, that you would open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. In other words, Father, let us see what your what written word has to say to us so that it might minister to each one of us individually where we sit right at this time. And Father, I pray that you would, to do that, I pray that you would please move me aside. Let me not get involved in such a way that I would take away or by my energy or lack of it add to anything that you want to say to us here. Let us hear your voice. Let us understand what you want to say to us. Uh, we believe here as a body of believers that when, when that happens, Father, when we hear your voice, then there would be nothing that would stop us. And so, Father, please, watch over this time. Give us a, a service of, of honoring you, just as we already had with the beautiful music and the wonderful, wonderful testimony of thanksgiving from the Strobels and, and John and, and, and Gina and, and, and John. And, and others, Father, who went there and served you in such a fashion. Thank you, Father, uh, that um, thank you that they experienced your love through those people in Los Angeles. Father, I pray that, that that will bless those people greatly. And I know it will bless us as well. So thank you, Father, for this time, this time of the year, that we come together and we rejoice over the birth of your Son, our Lord and our Savior. Father, um, what a privilege to know Him. I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't, Father, that You would quicken their hearts to hear from You, not from me, but from You, the importance of knowing Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior. I pray for that, Father, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.
there's a paradox here. And, and I, I, I didn't get to it last week. It was my, my inability sometimes to communicate as well as I ought. There, there was a, there's a paradox in this because Peter <coughs> has been telling us that we are aliens here on this earth. This is not our home. As I said earlier, Paul wrote in Philippians 3.20, Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. We are passing through, but we in our passing through cannot just uh, wipe our hands clean of what's happening here on this earth. We, we are to affect it for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so our Lord asks us, while we are passing through, to be submissive, obedient, if you would, to those who are in a place of authority over us. And as believers often become detached from the law of the land. They don't want to be apart. But you and I must have a proper respect and humble submission towards all the legitimate institution of human authority that is over us on this land. As Christians, you and I have been called by God to obey all laws and respect all authority. But what I neglected to say last week, I want to say now, there is a qualification to that command by God. And it is this. We are called upon to, to obey and to respect unless, unless we are asked to do something that God forbids. And I want to show you the example, perfect example of Peter, the apostles, and John. It's in the book of Acts. So hold your place here and turn to the left as you're going towards the start of the New Testament, and you'll go past the 1st, 2nd Corinthians and Romans, and then Acts. And when you get to Acts, stop at Acts chapter 4, please. I love this story. I, I want you to, to look at it, and maybe when you have time, if you read through sections of scriptures during the week and you, you don't have a, a specific um, uh, pattern that you go through reading the Bible, this might be something you want to read. In Acts chapter 4, <coughs> verses 18 and 19, Peter and John were summoned by the, um, the council, those who are in authority over them. And verse 18 says, When they had summoned them, Peter and John, and the apostles, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter and John, verse 19, answered them and said, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to, to you rather than to God, you be the judge. In other words, he is saying, look, <clears throat> what you ask us to do, whether it's right before you and or before God, what we do, then you will have to judge us on it. That's basically what he is saying. And so what Peter and John and the apostles did is they went in, as we're going to read in a moment, they ran into the community and they shared the message of Jesus Christ. Look with me at Acts, same book, Acts chapter 4, but look now at Acts chapter 5. They were again, John, Peter, the apostles, were summoned by the leadership and watched their response. <clears throat> this is the response that is true for all of us who walk with Jesus Christ. It ought to be anyways. 
It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 27, look, when they had brought them, meaning John and Peter and the apostles, they stood them before the council and the high priests questioned them. These are the people in authority over them. And they said, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. In other words, in the name of Jesus Christ. And yet, and I love this, look, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. I mean, isn't that a great testimony? These guys have filled that community. Don't you? I do. I wish that we would, as a church, and the churches in our area that, are, that love the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would fill our community with the, with the name of Jesus Christ and the love of Christ. And so they say, you've filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring the, this man, mean, naming Jesus, this man's blood upon us. Here's what Peter, the apostles, and John said. Peter said, we must, verse 29, we must obey God rather than man. That's the issue. The issue in your life and my life is we are hopefully learning about what's in here so that we know what we should and should not do. For those of you that are not believers, you need to know that we are, as Christians, more free than any, and anybody on the face of this earth. Our God has given us such great freedom. But like he said when we were reading, don't let your freedom act as something for evil. But we are free. What I want, what, what we want here at this church is for you and me to understand what's in here so that we know what we can and cannot do before the Lord so that we don't have to wonder, would God want me to do that? Should I do this? Should I do that? We want you and me to understand the Bible in such a fashion that we understand what we can and cannot do. And so Peter and the apostles said when they were asked not to teach in the name of Jesus Christ, they said, no, we, we can't follow you we must obey god rather than you you know i've already reasoned that within my heart if if someone were to come here and say you can't preach against whatever is mentioned in the bible that we happen to be preaching against whether it be uh, abortion or or homosexuality or 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 whatever i've already made the decision in my mind that i will not stop if they 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 want to stop me they can stop me but they'll have to put me in jail that's that's the, the only place and then if they put me in jail then i've got a a, a kind of a, a captured audience to talk to about christ if they don't if they don't end up killing me in there but the truth of the matter is i've already made up my mind <clears throat> there's that i'm going to i'm going to obey god I've been called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, just as you've been called, certain gifts that you have. And when we have that calling, we, we've got to follow through with it. At least that's my, that's my idea of, of walking with the Lord. You see, that, this is the issue that was asked of me last week. Some believers have trouble with concerning human government and, and are falling under authority. True. You and I are to submit and become obedient to the human authority that is over us, but never, ever, never, when it asks us to go against the Word of God. That's our barometer. That's the place that we check. So when people ask me that question, I realized I didn't teach about Peter and John when they said, we must obey God rather than you. And that's the truth in your life and my life. With that in mind, go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Our purpose, therefore, should never waver of what we are or not to do. As verse 15, we just read a little while ago, tells us, 
we are to fulfill the will of God. And therefore, by doing such, we will silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week, but we've got to remember, who does God call a foolish man or a foolish person? There's two places in Scripture that's clear-cut. In Psalms 14, the 14th chapter, the first verse, says this, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They, talking about fools, are corrupt. They, talking about fools, the person who says there is no God, they have committed abominable deeds, and there is no one who does good. Proverbs 1.7 says something very similar. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But, it says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is wisdom. Right here. Not here. No, no, not here. Not whoever stands behind here. This is what represents to you wisdom and instruction. And when we do this properly, when we teach the Word of God properly, we give you, by the grace of God, His wisdom, His instructions, and you are to follow them. And that's why I ask you not to follow what we might ask of you, but follow what God speaks in your heart to do. And when, you, when that happens, I promise you, there will be such a blessing in your life that you will not be able to, you just won't be able to stop. I don't keep on looking at you, John and, and Kath, but is that not true? I, I don't want to make it you think it's just my opinion of that. I, I've talked to far too many people who serve the Lord with, with a purity of heart, not for any motive, but just to serve the Lord. They just can't stop. God has so blessed them that they would be afraid to stop. I, I'll give you myself as an example. Um, when I first came to Christ, I, I had real short arms. You know, My arms didn't fit all the way down into my pockets all the time. And I didn't want to give money to a church. I learned that, I learned that from my father. My dad, said, my dad, he never wanted to go to church because he said, you don't know, they just want my money. Well, my dad never went to church, so I couldn't figure out how he thought they wanted just his money. It wasn't until my dad got <clears throat> much older and I got a chance, I got, a, I got the privilege of leading my father to Christ. But, um, uh, but I never wanted to give. And then I married a girl that would give everything away, anything and everything. Here, you want this? Here, it's yours. Oh, yeah, I want this. Good. And she'd give it away. And I'd say, whoa. And she says, you know, you know, John, we'll never be able to outgive God. We'll never be able to outgive Him. He will bless us at every turn. And so we started giving a percentage to the church out of our, out of our income. And then we, we, I watched God bless us. And then we started giving more and more, a higher and higher and higher percentage and, and I was watching God bless us. And today, now, finally, 40 years later, I'd be afraid not to give unto the Lord. I would be fearful. I've seen His faithfulness. I can't outgive Him. Now, I'm not asking you to give more here at the church. I'm not. I'm just saying that's one of my testimonies. As, as serving the Lord in that fashion, has, I, I enjoy... My wife and I love sitting down at the first year and figuring out how much money will we give the Lord. First and foremost, what are we going to give the Lord? And then the rest, what do we do with the rest? Whatever it is. But first, to Him. I heard that often from a, a man at Yorba Linda Friends Church that I had the privilege of, of pastoring there and, and, and having him as a friend near the end of his life. And His name was Frank Marshburn. 
Probably one of the most godly men I've ever known. One of the most giving men I've ever known. He started churches all over the world. I mean, churches all over the world. And he has, his, his company was Marshburn Farms, and they started giving a, a 10% unto the Lord. And they were getting blessed. Then they started giving 20%, 30%, 40%. And then the, Frank went to his brothers and said, You know, it's foolish that we would, we would, we would give the Lord uh, 10%, we keep 90%. Don't you think it should be the other way around? And they did. They started giving 90% to the Lord and keeping 10% for themselves. When they started to, wanted to sell their business, they were going to sell their business, the people that came in looked at their books and said, this is, a, this is a money pit. They'd give money away. We'll make so much money, it's unbelievable. And the people that bought that kept the money to themselves and within a year or two, the, the land went dry. They couldn't grow the, the stuff that, that Frank and his family was growing. They lost all their money. Who do you think was keeping that land good for, for Frank and his family so that they could continue to serve the Lord? I hope that made sense. I, I love that story because I absolutely love Frank and Louise Marshburn. They're just two pillars that every church should have a few of people like them in it. So I'm not talking about money here. I, I got off on that, and I ask your forgiveness if it sounded like that's what I was doing. But that was my example of John and Kathy, of, of, of serving. That, that's, my wife taught me how to give. So that says a fool says in his heart there's no God. Fool is corrupt, the Bible says. A fool has committed abominable deeds, the Bible says. Bull says the fool, the Bible says, does, does no good. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fool despises this wisdom, despises this instruction. So our purpose, let me get back to the text. Our purpose in verse 15, take a look, is to do what is right before God. And therefore we will silence the ignorance of those who are fools, those who have say there is no God. And how we will silence them is in verse 12, which we didn't read, but I will read it to you right now. He says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Gentiles are not Gentiles like uh, Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles are anyone that has rejected God. And so Peter writes, keep your behavior excellent among those who have rejected God so that in the thing in which they slander you as an evildoer, they may on account of your good deeds, note, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. The day of visitation is when God will come back for judgment and they will be people who have turned their lives around and they will glorify Him in that day instead of shirking away from Him. Our purpose, yours and mine, our existence is to become a bond, verse 16, the last part of it, a bond servant of God. In other words, trusting Him. best way to see how you and I are to trust Him is what we will be studying in the weeks to come. Look at verse 23 of of 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, talking about Jesus Christ, verse 22 says, He committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found in His mouth. And while He was being reviled, He did not revile in return. And while He was suffering, He uttered no threats, but He kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. Folks, I, I give that to you and I give that to myself. That's the way you and I should live our lives we ought to live our lives so that we, we trust ourselves, we, we give of ourselves to Him, God, who will judge us righteously. 
And so here's what Paul teaches about that subject. I love Paul, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. He says, do all things without grumbling or dispute. Why? Verse 15. So that you will prove to yourself, no, you prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear, Paul says, as lights in this world. That's what we're to be. We have been taken out of darkness and brought into light so that we could proclaim the excellencies of Him who has saved us, who has called us. God seems to be very well pleased to show us off as His children who have been taken out of darkness into light, yet He asks you and me to live in the most corrupt of environments. Paul tells us in Romans 13, 3 and 4, rulers are not a cause for fear for good behavior. In other words, those who do... Uh, I'm going to read it. He'll explain himself. Rulers are not a cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority, he says? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Verse 4, For it is a minister of God to you for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. It is a minister of God and an avenger who will bring wrath on the one who practices evil. See, God has not lost control of this earth, even though it might look like it. In Romans 13.1, it says that every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. Why? Well, because Paul teaches in Romans 13.1, there is no authority except from God. And any authority that exists is established by God. So as much as we might not like the way our government treats everything, that has been established by God. And God asks you and me to fall under their authority only to the point if they ask us to sin, then no. No, we can't do that. So let's get to the last verse. Let me, let me close this up. And verse 17 is, is just absolutely beautiful. Peter asks us to do four things. Simple things. He asks us to honor all people. He asks us to love the brotherhood, family of God. He asks us to fear God and to honor the king. Let's talk about these things. Peter says you and I are to honor all people. Reason being is... You and I and everybody else that walks on the face of this earth has been created in God's image. We know that from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. As God said, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son were there at the beginning of time. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Therefore, every single person on the face of this earth is due respect and honor. <laughs> Paul says this in Colossians 4.1, talking about those, he, he says, uses master and slave, but he's talking about someone who is uh, uh, in charge of a business and those who work for him. He says, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. In other words, if I were um, someone else, if we could take someone who is, a, is, is, is in charge of something, we're to be fair. We're to be honest. The way I see it is we're to treat people as if like we would like to be treated. 
Because in the long run of things, you and I have someone who is over us. No matter how high we fit up on the chain, there is always God who is over us in heaven. Peter is saying that none of us are to discriminate against anyone, whether it's, it's race, nationality, uh, economic, age, doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But it does not mean that we ignore or tolerate any uh, bad conduct or, or behavior. But it does mean that we are to show proper respect because all of us are made in the image of God. So we are to honor one another. Secondly, really important, we're to love the family of God, the brotherhood. It's one of my favorite things to do is to tell you I love you. I learned that from a man a long time ago when I first came to Christ. It seemed like it just was easy for me to tell people I loved them. It's really, really kind of strange. All my buddies in college who knew me back when that I'm still friends with um, used to look at me cockeyed and say, you know, I love you. I love you as a friend, man. And they'd look at me and now every single one of them, I mean every single one of them tells me they love me. Every one. I, I, it blows me away. Jesus said these words, which are kind of my motto. He says in John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give to you. I want you to love one another. Even as I, he says, have loved you, so you should have love for one another. It says in the next verse, by this, by the way you love each other, all people are going to know you're my disciples. That was such a theme for our Lord. He said that in, in John chapter 13. In John chapter 15, he says almost the same thing. Jesus said in John 15:12, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You see, in the family of God, there's no, I'm through with you. That's it. I'm done with you. There's none of that in the family of God. There must always be a possibility of reconciliation. Jesus says always be ready to forgive one another. I'm telling you what our Lord says. In Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, Jesus says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, or your sister, if, if, if someone sins, rebuke them. And if they repent... Forgive them. He says in the next verse, this is Luke chapter 17, that was verse 3. Listen to verse 4. If they sin against you seven times a day and return to you seven times a day saying, I repent, forgive them. It's clear as a bell. You and I have been called to forgive. When Peter came to our Lord and said, Lord, how often... Show my brother sin against me and I forgive him. Up to seven times? Remember what the Lord said, don't you? He says, oh, no, 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 no. I say to you not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, that was a pure number. That was always forgive. There's no I'm through with you in the family of God. If someone that you think that you've given up on comes back to you and says, I want to ask your forgiveness, we ought to do it. Forgive. We'll honor one another because we're made in the image of God. We're to love one another because our Lord says that's a commandment that has been given to you and me. Thirdly, we're to fear God. I love this props as much as any of them because I understand what fear means. 
Fear in the Bible doesn't talk about being scared to death. Fear in the Bible talks about respect. And I understand that because I, I feared my father. I mean, I, I respected my dad. Well, I just didn't want to do anything against my earthly father. I was so, I was so bent on just loving him and, and, and making him proud of me. When Peter says we are to fear God, I think Deuteronomy 13, I just found this verse, actually in one of the commentaries, it wasn't my finding it, they found it for me and I, I read it and I thought it was beautiful. In Deuteronomy 13.4 it says, listen to this, you shall follow the Lord your God and you shall fear Him and you shall keep His commandments and you shall listen to His voice and you shall serve Him and ultimately, six, it says, and you shall cling to him. I love this. That's it. That's it. Follow him. Fear him. Keep his word. Listen to him. Serve him and cling to him. Psalms 111, verse 10 teaches, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. True fear and respect and true love of the Lord is the beginning of being able to trust Him when, in difficulties that you're going through, knowing that He has your best in mind, ultimately. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Isaiah 26, 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock, the very essence of what we call our church, the rock. We have that in our Savior. Honor all men. Love one another. Fear God. And lastly, <coughs> honor the King. Which brings us back to where our Lord and Peter began in this place in Scripture in verses 13 and 14. Where he says in verse 13, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it is to a king as one in authority or a governor sent by him. In other words, we are to honor the King. The reason we honor, the reason we love, the reason we fear anyone it's done for the same purpose in your life as it is in my life. It is it in for everybody's life who have ever said yes to Jesus Christ. We have been called to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into light. Think not, listen. Listen to the greatest message ever given in Scripture, a Sermon on the Mount. Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you, talking about those that follow Him, you are the light of this world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but it puts it on a lampstand and it will give light to all who are in the house. Jesus said in verse 16, Let your light shine before all men in such a way that they may see your good works and, just what Peter says, glorify your Father who is in heaven. The wonderful purpose for your life and my life this Christmas season. I mean, what a better time than to, to listen to something like this that Peter would tell us about, about honoring and loving and fearing God purpose in our life is to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us. And Jesus said, let your light shine in such a way as to glorify your Father who is in heaven. I can only say what John said a little while ago when he started to speak, and that is, I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Um, <clears throat> we'll probably be giving some messages. By the way, 
at the end, after I close, if you want anybody to pray for you up here, there will be some people to pray. I want to make this a staple in our church, that we pray for one another. Um, what was I saying? I was going to say, um, huh? Merry Christmas, yeah. Um, just a, a, Oh, I know, the next few weeks, we'll probably center our, our talks. If, if it's not in First Peter, we're going to talk more about the birth of Christ and, and, and kind of have a Christmas type of a feeling. I'm not sure yet because I haven't, I haven't studied next week yet. I've, I've told you everything I know right now. I'm, I'm out. I'm just, uh, <laughs> um, so come and, and, and enjoy Christmas with us. Enjoy Christmas with your family. If, if, I guess if there's one thing I, I, I could say for me personally, if there's someone that in your life that you said no to, you know, there's just, I'm through with you, don't be. Don't be. Don't give up. Just don't give up. I don't know what else to say. I love you. That's one. Let's go home. That's two. <laughs> Father and God, thank you so much. I love this church. I do, Father. I love it. I love the people I see in it. I see Christ in Mickey and Sherry. I see Christ in, in sweet people that are a part of this church. That Father, that um, I get a glimpse of you in their lives all the time. It's, it's such a privilege, Father. I pray that you'll bless us wherever you might take us. And uh, that this day, Father, will be uh, one that we can uh, <clears throat> sense your presence uh, throughout the day as we walk wherever we're going to go, whatever we're going to do. Bless everybody here. Thank you for this great church, Father, at least the great people in it. In Jesus' name, amen.